he did not want to shoot. Versus if you went back and you looked at the games in the Bahamas when we are playing Baja Blast Tech, he's letting those things fly. <laughs> Cal was the coach of, our, of at least my childhood. Uh, I mean, I was always a tubby guy. Um, I was a tubby kid growing up. Just take um, Muhammad Ali at, then, uh, at center. Then you have actually to played for Kentucky, Kentucky University of players. Kentucky. Oh, daggone it, guys. I did not prepare for this. Because they're both going to be key contributors to a national championship team. No, do not tell me to relax, Zach, because I'm all in on this squad, and it's going to happen. What is up, Big Blue Nation? Matt Sack BBN here, joined by just two-thirds of my Twitter best friends as we are missing 25.1% of this podcast. I am joined by Wildcat Tongue and 270 Bradley Smith, and we are rough to no good. Buddy is enjoying some very nice weather on his vacation out in the country of Puerto Rico. Um, I'm also on vacation. Not really on vacation. I uh, am not in. Anyone want to guess where I am right now? A hotel. Uh, sure. Hotel. Uh, le- actually, let me give me a good guess. You're in the uh, lovely city of uh, Bloomington, Indiana at a Taco Bell. No, not quite. Not quite. I'm actually in Orlando for work right now. I was going to say Orlando. <laughs> I allowed you to guess. You said a hotel. Well, the the hotel was in Orlando. Hey, great, oh, guess, great guess, Bradley. <laughs> I'm here for work, and unlike Buddy, I am fully committed and brought all my podcasting equipment. Of course, I'm kidding. I love you, Buddy. Sad we're missing 25.1% of this podcast. But Bradley, how are you doing? You break into any Taco Bells recently? No, uh, harass any policeman. They already have my picture posted. <laughs> this this man is responsible for the discontinuation of nacho fries. Uh, don't uh, don't serve him. Uh, but... Don't look him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> He'll eat your arm if he thinks it's a cheesy gordita crunch. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, I'm doing all right. I was a little concerned that I was going to have to miss a second podcast in a row. Uh, I forget what I was doing last time. I was busy. Oh, yeah, I was I was out of town. I, I was actually doing some work stuff in Memphis. Uh, so out of town with that. But I was concerned I was going to have to miss another episode because my Wi-Fi had been really slow for like four days, like borderline not working at all. And I got something in the mail. That said that I haven't paid for my Wi-Fi in three months. And I oh. thought, no, that's impossible. I have auto pay. Uh, well, I forgot. I got a new debit card about three months ago. And you guys know when you have stuff set up auto pay, have have stuff set up auto pay that sometimes you just forget something. And the something I forgot was my Wi-Fi. Uh, but Thanks to Mediacom, uh, we've got me back up and going for now. That's cool. That's cool. Do you want to review Billy Richmond, Billy Richmond's dad's restaurant? It was really good. Nice. WT. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but seriously, um, I like to uh, – uh, not address myself. I like to think of myself as a wing expert and they were probably 
up there with the best wings I've ever had. Whoa. Uh, they were That's extremely good. Uh, I got lemon pepper hot. Uh, I got regular bone-in wings uh, because boneless wings are just chicken nuggets. Uh, they're really good chicken nuggets, uh, but I got the regular uh, bone-in wings, lemon pepper hot uh, with seasoned fries, and it was really nice. Yeah. Uh, it's even nicer uh, whenever that uh, Billy Richmond commitment post is going to hit, and I'm just going to spam Memphis replies with Wing Guru. Well, it sounds like you're having a great time, Bradley. I WT, uh, Boogie Flans, a cat. We look great at the blue-white game. Surely nothing could be going wrong over that. I am genuinely having, like, I must be part of the Truman Show, like cameras going on inside my <laughs> house because a comedy of errors occurred tonight that uh, I shouldn't be telling the Rub to No Good audience, but I will for the sake of content. Um so I get home this morning, not this morning, this afternoon. I get home this afternoon, uh, started folding laundry. Uh, wife forgot the uh, um, baby carrier, the uh, car seat uh, at home to pick up my son. So I had to go drive that quickly to her so that she could pick him up. Not a big deal. I've done it before. It happens. Get home. And the thing I was going to accomplish today was I was going to take some, like, you know, those like metal shelving things that have like, that you kind of put together that like, like kind of wire, you know, like I'm talking one about over your shoulder. Uh, kind of, but like it has different shells and like you have to carry the metal rods and like put it up and like snap stuff oh, like, in like for I'm... towels. Sure. Um, well, anyway, I was carrying up uh, like some metal, like support rods that are pretty heavy. And as I'm carrying them up the stairs, uh, I get a call from my wife. So I like transition all of them to my left arm, pick up my phone, and then I drop uh, them on my big toe on my left foot. Wow. That is still in a genuine amount of pain um, that uh, I'm pretty sure it's broken, but like you don't treat broken toes unless you're uh, Aaron Bradshaw and you like, I, I, there's nothing to do. So I, I could go to uh, like, get it x-rayed but like what are they going to tell me it's like man that sucks it's broken so probably Real quick wt so, okay i'm Real not done but you go ahead you know who else probably dropped a support rod on his toe i don't, don't, don't you dare age. <laughs> <laughs> I sorry exactly go ahead i had to that. i had to that's not the only thing we and i have in common so we uh <laughs> move on <laughs> Uh, I also shot seven for seven from three in a game. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, so I am like cussing up a storm, screaming. My wife's still on the phone trying to figure out what happened, but I can't really speak. So I hop downstairs, uh, get an ice pack from the uh, uh, from the freezer, and head to the bedroom to like just get on the bed, like elevate my foot. So I, I like jump on the bed as quick as possible, get my foot elevated. And then I realize uh, that the bed doesn't quite feel right. Um, I have just laid down fully into uh, cat feces and cat urine. Oh, um, first, <laughs> like all over my back, genuinely like ruined our sheets, possibly ruined the mattress. We're still evaluating that right now. Um, but in the span of maybe 
two minutes, I went from being perfectly fine to having a broken toe and cat shit all over on all over my back. Uh, and I'm sure uh, some higher being got out there was laughing up a storm. Uh, the little cameras inside my house broadcasting to the rest of the world was uh, getting some really good uh, Truman Show content for that. So uh, I I am not good, but go Cats. Well, WT, I'm very sorry for your situation, but you know who else is rolling around in cat feces today? The Indiana Hoosiers. Suck it, you losers. <laughs> I hate every single one of you. You know, you know, WT, I thought I was having a rough week, and then you described that, and I kind of feel better about myself right now, or at least to put it in some perspective. You want to know what ruined my week? Please. I Did you know that they switched the actors that played Dumbledore? It was not the same Dumbledore for all the movies? Yes. Why? It's like kind of a, it's kind of like a major thing. They don't look similar either. I didn't know that. I've that never seen like, when I learned that today, or yesterday. I've never seen like a, any. I've never seen any of the Harry Potter movies. They're for dorks. That, that, you're Bradley. You're a dork. You're like don't act like you're above it. Uh, but no, yeah, like he went from like this guy who's like really weak and like barely raises his voice to like screaming at Harry constantly. Yeah, it's a completely different actor. Yeah, that, that really pissed me off. But sorry about the cat feces, dude. <laughs> you know, it uh it is what it is. We're gonna attack tomorrow, try to make it better. Uh, we've got a low bar to clear. So hopefully if it's if tomorrow's any worse than today was, then uh uh you may not be seeing me next week. I think we could end today on a high note by talking about a series of positive things that happened towards UK basketball, starting with the commitment of Boogie Fland. Up until about two days before the commitment, up until about when Matt Sack BBN, or formerly Matt Sack BBN, currently Matt Sack R2NG, put out a tweet saying that Boogie Flan would be in like the final recruiting class for like Kentucky's 2024 recruiting class. All of a sudden, he seems to flip to Kentucky out of nowhere. And it's just, yeah, well, it wasn't me. It was Cal because Cal's a freaking boss. But this guy that was literally in Indiana lock days away from his commitment is all of a sudden now coming to Kentucky because that's what Cal does. You could be leading in a recruitment all the way up to the last day, and he'll just go and take them because he wants to. This one, to me, um, first of all, super cool. I'm really glad that we stole a guy that Indiana really wanted. I'm glad that we're building up this 2024 class. But it is interesting. Like I look at his tape, and it's like, all right, good player. Nothing's really jumping off crazy. Um, like there is recruiting ranking isn't crazy. It's anywhere from 10 to 30, depending on the site you look at this kind of felt like, all right, why are we over a year from us needing anyone on the 2024 roster? And Cal is going this all out on a guy who doesn't really stand out in rankings. Doesn't really stand out in film. Again, I'm glad we got him. I just thought it was interesting. The whole process, like if Cal's going this hard at a guy, he must be seeing something that us and the other recruiting experts that aren't ranking, ranking him that high are not seeing. I see him as, I wouldn't say, I've seen it said that he's like the perfect DJ Wagner, like replacement in like the pick and roll. I think Brendan Ramsey said that shout out front of the program, but he, I don't actually see him as a role. Like 
he will be good as the second or third best guard in a backcourt. Um, as a support guard, someone who can get downhill, that can read a ball screen, but he's not going to go like slam it on some someone's head. He's not going to go and like dice you up and like cross you over for a step back three or anything like that. Uh, but he is a capable scorer. He's a capable passer. Uh, he does the things he's supposed to do. So uh, I'm not going to call him special. He's a um, lower ranked five-star in a weak class already. So uh, we're not getting the next John Wall or anything. But um, if we get Reed back and if we get maybe a transfer guard or something like that, I, I see him fitting in just fine. I like to think of him as like, an opposite Rob Dillingham because uh, Rob okay. is like super flashy and he's either going to be boom or bust. Boogie is not flashy at all, but he is extremely consistent. Like you would know what to expect from him on a game to game basis. Very interesting that the guy named Robert is flashy <laughs> and the guy named Boogie is like <laughs> kind of straight down the middle. <laughs> no one's calling him boogie with the shifts nobody's <laughs> nobody's doing that so an, another name that i'm seeing him comp to is another boogie isaiah boogie briscoe brother you're kind of our recruiting expert there do you see that comp i i kind of like get the vibes that they're going no. for but i'm not sure that's the best comp what, what do you think that this guy is going to be um i'd say probably reverse rob dillingham <laughs> 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 no, but like from from a Kentucky perspective, I don't know. It's it's weird because it seems like a lot of Cal guards are either awesome or completely suck. Um, but like as far as I don't know, uh, not play style at all. Uh, I won't say at all, but. I would say he'll probably in the be in the like the middle tier of Cal guards, like kind of almost like an Andrew Harrison kind of kind of deal. You know, not that I'm saying he'll take us to back to back Final Fours or anything, but you know, Andrew was there just kind of the guy keeping it calm, keeping it cool, uh, and I think that's probably what you'll expect from Boogie. You know, he might have a big game here or there, but I don't think he's necessarily going to go and win us games but he won't lose us games i see him and I mean, this is on limited film study i see him as like a taller and more athletic quad a green um <laughs> i know saying quad a green is like like kind of a a jinx in the fan base because not a lot of people like him but i i like quad a had some good qualities about him uh he was a capable shooter uh, and he ran the offense decently well. He just happened to go up against Shea Gilgis Alexander, who was incredible, and Ashton Hagens, who had like one of the best defensive years as a freshman. Uh, so uh, I, I see him as a taller, more athletic Quade Green. That when you're taller and more athletic, you're also more capable of finishing at the rim, which Quade we know wasn't really able to do. Um, so I mean that I do mean that as a compliment, just because Quade for all his worth did run the point guard without making a ton of mistakes, but he didn't, he also didn't win any games. WT. You just made root beer come out of my nose. 
because Quade Green was the last name I was expecting to hear. Uh, you know, hey, well, there you I, go. and and I agree with your reasoning. I I guess at least partially. Uh, but just Quade Green was the last name that I was <laughs> expecting to hear. Well, I, I think a couple like like a couple months ago. Uh, I don't know what it is about comparing people to Quade Green. So, uh, one of our listener questions was like, "Who's Reed Shepherd's comparison?" And I said he's Quade Green because Quade shot like forty two percent from three, was a capable guard, but Quade was also a starter. Reed is come like going to be our fourth best guard off the bench. So uh, I got a little bit of heat for that uh, from you all, but um, I, I, I'm not a Quade hater. I don't I don't necessarily like the guy, but I, I don't hate him either. Say what you want about Quade, but nobody has ever made an edit of him in practice highlights with "Proud to Be an American" as as the background music. Nobody Dude, ever that, did that for Quade. That thing's gonna go so crazy in uh, <laughs> Georgetown colleges for plies. His first exhibition. He's just gonna drop eighty on them. <laughs> One of one of the things that I really liked about Boogie Flan's recruitment, um, I don't know if you saw the chaos, uh, the KS board post. Um, Jack Pilgrim posted it. It was um, it was it's behind a paywall, but like if he's listening to this and getting upset over it, like dude, go be a father. Like leave our stupid <laughs> podcast alone. Um, I'm kidding, Jack. I love you. Um, I think I think it's far enough past where I, I could talk about it. And Jack is a certified friend of the program. Um. He said one of the things it was like Kentucky and Indiana was a head to head race. Alabama was technically in the top three, but one of the things that really turned Boogie off from them is instead of just trying to promote Alabama, a school that has supposedly been like really, really good. It's the peak of Alabama basketball history. I mean, they were the best team in college basketball all of last year. Instead of talking about that, they spent more time negatively recruiting Kentucky. So Nate Oates, who's apparently like the second coming of like Rick Pitino and had this amazing dominant team last year is still more worried about Kentucky and Boogie Flan was like, yeah, I'm not really having that. Like if you were that worried about Kentucky, maybe I should just go to Kentucky. So I like that little scoop nugget from uh, Jack Pilgrim, uh, daddy Pilgrim, as we get to call him now. What really sucks is like, boogie style that we just described would work perfectly at alabama or indiana for being honest (laughs) yeah like his play style is like for indiana and uh alabama is like just don't make mistakes and we'll make you look pretty good at kentucky you got to go like make your own plays because we challenge our guards to do that so like i wouldn't even say basketball wise he's the best fit at kentucky but i mean if cal's gonna flex and show off how much of a like mafia member he is then i'm all for it I forget who it was. I was listening to some podcast. They were like, how crazy is it that this would have been a program-defining recruitment for Indiana or Alabama? <laughs> and then we get him, we're just like, eh, he's okay. <laughs> like we, we, we don't want him because we want him on our team. We want him so that Indiana can't have him. Uh, how How crazy is that? There's like other guards we're more excited about for 2025 <laughs> that we're hoping will reclass. <laughs> we're already recruiting Jack Pilgrim's kid. <laughs> By the way, Jack Pilgrim's kid, like, are we going to see him more as like the most plugged in recruiter, like 
like you can see like a middle schooler like being in the locker rooms are we going to see him be like the most fundamentally sound like screen setting point guard <laughs> in basketball history well if he that... has jack's frame he's going to be a double double machine in the paint um Absolutely. i don't i don't i don't see jack pilgrim having much point guard in his dna personally but that, that's going to be a guy that's going to uh like oscar shibway his way into the post double double machine big celtics fan kind of guy <laughs> like setting Jack. hard solid screens playing leading the, the game the right way fives, leading jack the team had, in high fives <laughs> playing jack has name on the front of the jersey jack has him watching bob Cousy highlights right now <laughs> kevin, kevin McHale. <laughs> dave cowens beautiful but you know where they Reed don't Shepard. watch highlights <laughs> taco bell drive throughs at 3 a.m no highlights okay, we, there we do have we do have to talk about that a little bit because i think when i, I rival should we call it indiana rival for the purpose of no this? okay when a team that you are playing in the future um and someone like that talks a lot of crap to you online uh has a player get arrested it's typically a time where you like mercilessly make fun of them and like mock them for it but i think across most fan bases there's a cer- certain level level of empathy in this specific type of arrest because whether it be taco bell or some other instance like we've all been there right <laughs> like yeah you got like you gotta have some food there's only one restaurant open and they're not letting you in. But I, I, we've we've all been there. Now, maybe not as far as getting the cops called on us and getting our window busted in, but I, I, I can we, at least feel for them. We understand. I, I've got to tell you, I know exactly how Mackenzie McBacco feels. Um, maybe not exactly. When my wife and I first started dating. Uh, we had gone to this Japanese place to eat. And with some of my digestive conditions, things don't always sit well with me. So we went to Sonic afterward to get ice cream. And I needed to use the restroom. Uh, this was like January or February of 21. And I tried to get them to let me use the bathroom at Sonic. They wouldn't do it. So I had to walk half a mile down the road to a Burger King. And the lobby was closed because, you know, COVID protocols. And so I'm like banging on the door. And this <laughs> like this like 12-year-old kid comes up and he's like, I I can't let you in. I'm like, I'm I I desperately need to use your bathroom. I'm so sorry. And he's like, Okay, come in. And I take two <laughs> steps in the door. And this manager, no, 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 you got to go. You got to go, ma'am, please, please. I'm sorry. I need, I need to, no, no, you've got to go. So I, and I was right. I do have to go. You're right. Uh, but no. So I had to walk another half mile down the road to a gas station. And the uh, attendant or whatever at the gas station stood outside the bathroom door to make sure I bought something after I used the restroom because it was for customers only. Uh, so all that to say this, I know exactly how you feel, uh, Mackenzie. <laughs> um, we've all been there. 
Um, and another thing, I know that I can make uh, I think you should leave memes, but I know that consistently I'll get one like on them. And that one like will be from friend of the program, TJ Walker. And so I'm thankful for that. Shout out TJ, friend of the program. That That is what a, a riveting sort. story. I'm glad we've had two different <laughs> poop stories so far in the podcast. I feel like I got to come hey, up with one. As I'm saying, it's your turn, Zach. I'll start thinking of one, but... uh. Anyways, blue-white game, another positive thing. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought it was mostly positive. I'll, I'll, I'll hear what y'all think. But one thing that really stood out in the blue-white game, obviously, Rob Dillingham. It was his coming out party. I tweeted, like, a, like as soon as Rob committed, I'm like, oh, he's going to have a 40-point game at Kentucky. It took the very first game on our schedule. I don't care that it wasn't a real game, but he dropped 40 in it. I am the smartest person ever. Um, but let's just say you like didn't follow the recruiting class. You don't really know any of the players. You're just driving up to Northern Kentucky. And it's like, let me, let me check out my team for the first time. I don't know who any of these guys are. You would see that number zero looks a little bit faster than everyone else, a little bit quicker than everyone else, a little more skilled than everyone else. He's playing like he knows that his team needs him to make shots for that team. He looked like the best player on the court. If you didn't know any of the rankings, like transfers, who's coming back, anything like that, you were just watching that game, you would be like, oh, yeah, number zero. He's just playing like I know he's making shots, but even if he wasn't, I, you would just be able to tell, oh, he's the best player on the court just by the way he is playing. I've made this comparison before. I'm going to say it again because it cracks me up. You go 70 miles west down I-64. There was a guy that got threatened by Sky Clark, and he had to flee the country. He couldn't even play for a different college. He had to leave the country. <laughs> and then he got cut and by the team that he went to. Did he actually? <laughs> really? That's even funnier. <laughs> I'm but... pretty no. sure. I think I saw it. I'm, I'm going to look it up. I'm looking it up. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to confirm that before I make fun of him. But you have Rob Dillingham, who sits on the bench, barely plays in Canada, and watches Antonio Reeves. An all an all SEC nominee. Um, oh my gosh, DJ Wagner, who was on the Bob Cousy finalist, Reed Shepard even was showing up. Rob Dillingham in Canada, and instead of Rob being like, "Oh, I'm not going to get any playing time. I'm threatened by all these guys. Like, I'm not going to get to play point guard." He got in the gym. He put on 20 pounds of muscle, and he comes out. And the next time we see a game, he's the best freaking player on the floor. I love that about Rob Dillingham. Yeah, Rob was great. I've got a question for you, Sack. I wasn't able to watch the game. How did Big Z look? He looked very tall <laughs> on the sideline. <laughs> no, just kidding. I saw the Twitter reaction. Uh, it's it's a nothing. It's a nothing burger. I don't care about that. That what about Rob though. Play. What about yeah, Rob? Rob? Yeah, Rob was great. I just told you I didn't watch it. <laughs> you didn't even see any highlights or anything? You oh, I, saw, I, I saw highlights. Highlights don't tell the whole... Highlights made Sky Clark look like a five-star. Shout out Sky Clark again. In any point in like the past five days since I tweeted, hey, do you guys want to record the podcast on Monday? And everyone said, <laughs> yeah. Did you think to look at like Matthew Loves Ball or O Ball O and just watch like highlights for half an hour? No. 
I've already watched it twice. Because I thought it would be good content if two people watched it and one didn't. And I tried to make up <laughs> takes what, based okay. I tried to make up takes based on a game I hadn't watched. WT, we should have we should uh kick Bradley out and then come up with like some fake narrative like that didn't happen and be like and then Walker <laughs> Horn was just throwing down reverse dunks and then just see Bradley's reaction. I I would have known that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, make it believable. <laughs> Joey Hart went for 50. Make it great, Derbyshire. <laughs> WT, mom, what did you think of His mom just followed me on Twitter. Shout out. Yeah, well, yeah, shout out Grand Derbyshire's mom, friend of the show. Um, Dana. No, um, I, I mean, we're going to talk about Rob first, but uh, obviously the 40 points jump off the page. He also led both teams in assists. He had seven assists on the game. So, like, we talk about him as, like, the score-first guard, this, like, combo guard, shooting guard type of guy. He also had seven assists and only three turnovers. Like, that is so against what his, like, scouting report was, like, this guy that takes these awful shots and, like, just is shoot-first everything. In, in a game in uh, Canada, he had nine assists. So he is distributing the ball while also scoring points, but I think which I think is really, really awesome. Um, some other things I want to point out, Aduthiero owns the blue-white game. Uh, he had like 21 last year with Chris Livingston guarding him. He had 26 this year, uh, had 26 and nine on really efficient shooting. Shot three for five from three. So how about that? Uh, Justin Edwards played really poorly in the first half, but uh, came back in the second half with uh, 26 points total. Uh, DJ Wagner, 25. He struggled a little bit, but uh, you could tell <laughs> Rob scoring 40 really bothered DJ. It wasn't like DJ was going 100%, but he was getting a little frustrated. Uh, I would say my biggest surprise, though, is Jordan Burks. Yeah. I think Jordan Burks, like out of necessity, may have to play some minutes in the early season. I can see him playing at the four maybe 10 minutes a game even when we get all our bigs back because that guy plays with motor he is in the right spot he just lives in that dunker spot uh which especially when you get it like a stretch five like having that kind of four guy down there could be really helpful um and he just plays like he's going to be sort of a uh lance Ware type where he comes in gets three thousand and leaves <laughs> but he had nine fouls in the blue white game. Uh, but he, he could be a valuable piece if we use him right. Yeah, he he's a guy that's always in the right spot. Like every time he got a point, it was because what he did before he got the ball. Um, whether it was in the dunker spot, whether it was coming over a curl, whether it was sliding baseline and getting a backdoor cut for an oop or just running in transition, he was always in the right spots. And I go back to Canada, he was never in the correct spots. Uh, granted, yeah. <laughs> he played the three or four at OTE, and now we're like, all right, dude, go play center against Louisville's center or whatever like that. Like, he, he clearly was not a center, and he still really isn't. But I would say he arguably won that matchup against Trey Mitchell, a five-year veteran. He has so much potential. I don't know if it's going to be in year one. I can't say he won't transfer after this year because I don't know where his playing time is going to come from because this roster is just loaded top to bottom, especially when we get fully healthy. But I, I'm with you. I think he is a great luxury late in the season. He will be a necessity early in the season. And he proved that he could be a serviceable player with high upside 
for at least the beginning when Zvonimir is getting up the full speed and uh, Aaron and Ugo are making their way back. You just can't have nine fouls in a regular season game, unfortunately. You literally cannot. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Big Bradley, your thoughts on Jordan Burke's play in the blue-white game? Man, he was electric. Uh, I've seen some highlights on Twitter, and uh, he had a couple really nasty dunks. Um, no, he didn't. <laughs> okay, whatever. I'm lying. I'm lying. Justin Edwards um, had a few. That was nice. Yeah. I Didn't he have one, though? I thought I could have sworn I saw a clip of, like, one Jordan Burks yeah, dunk. Yeah, Bur- Burks, Burks had a couple dunks. Okay. He had All right. one, like, rim grazer. But All like right. you said, electric like slams. Yeah, no. All right. Uh I could see him getting some minutes at the three, uh, potentially. I, I kind of like him on the wing as a defender. Cause he's what, like six nine, six ten? Yeah. Allegedly. So yeah, we, we always need some uh length on the wing. Shout out. You know, my you. favorite <laughs> my favorite moment. Uh, from uh, the blue-white game. And Matt, I think you can back me up on this, uh, was when it, it was it like, it's going to be a fun connection. Uh, Joey Hart throwing a lob to Reed Shepard for like a one-hand dunk. What? Like, it was insane, dude. Like, it was crazy. Like, the whole arena, like, went crazy. It wasn't uh, just a it was, hoop. It was, like, Reed caught it with one hand in 360 in midair. And okay, then I threw it down. okay, you took it too far. <laughs> he believed you took it. it too he far. believed it. We had I mean, him. <laughs> I would I would believe one normal alley from one uh melanin lacking individual to another. Adolf uh, Rupp rose from the grave and sprinted back into Rupp Arena. <laughs> speaking, speaking Just of, like Rick Patino the... chasing a waitress. Man, it was crazy. Oh, <laughs> or, you... or Bobby Petrino chasing a cheerleader. <laughs> or Mel Tucker. That, that is enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. My my favorite part was a story that I heard after of <laughs> Reed Shepard going to sign a kid's ball or whatever. And the kid told him no that he wanted Rob's autograph. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I will say, speaking of our um, uh, fellow uh, pale um, pe- players, um, did you all see the uh, Florida roster picture? Yes. <laughs> I tweeted out that like Adolph Rupp has a new second favorite team behind Bellerman. <laughs> Dude, that, that, team, that... that team is going for 100 in Rupp Arena. There's no that... way around it. There's at least good three guys going... on that roster yeah. that will be pulling up from the mid logo and just hitting it we better score 110 that game is all i gotta say yeah that looked like the ball knowers meetup that happened (laughs) at the georgia game (laughs) Uh, wt you brought up adu thiero having a really great performance just owning the blue white game to me i don't think that's really a coincidence both times it felt like he took his matchup personal chris livingston comes in as the five star getting all the hype um, you talk about a guy that's going to play the three, maybe some stretch four, uh, maybe a little bit of two. That was kind of what Adu Thierro was looking for. Chris Livingston was getting all the hype. Adu Thierro outplayed him in the blue-white game. Took it. There were a couple 
like points where he really bullied him like he just like backed down chris livingston and was just like i'm just gonna like out hustle you here i'm gonna out muscle you it seemed like he did the same thing with justin edwards and i'm not saying that he didn't like chris or doesn't like edwards but he's just like all right i know these are five-star guys but hold up i'm here to play i belong on this court and i think a lot of what helped him show up so much he's committed to the forward I know we've seen the Almani Thero tweets about this guy's a point guard. Imagine this like 6'9", 240 guy with handles. I get it. I like the idea. But I like the idea of Adu Thero playing like a Terrence Jones where you're a 3-4 hybrid who's Mm. 6'9 and jacked and can back someone and bully someone in the post but also play out on the perimeter and knock down open jumpers. Like that's what that's what reminded me of. Like a little bit of Julius Randle, but a lot of Terrence Jones. That got me excited, especially when you start talking about the defensive versatility. Adu Thiero, like showed up and was like, I'm one of the better players on this team. I would not be surprised if Adu Thiero is a top three to four player on this team. I get all the freshmen. I get Reeves. I get Mitchell. I get it. Adu Thiero said, Don't forget about me. I love seeing that. What about PJ? Uh, I say he didn't handle the ball PJ. as much, but I could see it. He, PJ Brittany was more... Renner away from him. <laughs> I was thinking like a younger Patrick Patterson. Well, because uh, think about Terrence and think about Julius is they had so like they were able to create offense like through ball handling and like were able to get around guys. I haven't seen really do do that. He's more of a go, go right through, through your him. chest sort of guy. Right. So like that, that has a little bit of Julius in it, but I, I really see like a Billy Gillespie or a Patrick Patterson um, that just used his size, used his physicality to just bully guys. Um, but as the president of the Duthiero club, just the, him being not just a contributor contributor, but being one of the better players on this team is 100% on the table because he has, he's one of the only guys, especially in the front court with a clear role. And uh, like Trey, I've heard anything from the five to the three, like friggin' field of 68. Was it them that said, no, it was uh, Andy Katz. Andy Katz said like top 10 small forward Trey, <laughs> Trey Mitchell. It's like, come on, man. No, <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, well, but like a, a do slots into that four position so well. And he, who who do you guard like how many guys have how many teams have guys that can guard a do I, I can't think of really any you're gonna put someone into foul trouble so quickly like against kansas just send a do out there and go right at hunter dickinson in the like he may not make layups but he's gonna get hunter in foul trouble oh absolutely absolutely and it's really the way that he's bought in like, if he wanted to be a point guard, like, he doesn't look like a point guard. He looks like a freaking middle linebacker. I mean, this dude is jacked. <laughs> I mean, he dude. literally, I, I see, I didn't, like wide receiver. I didn't like the PJ comp at first, and I don't think he'll play like PJ long term, but he did kind of look like PJ a little bit in the blue white game. He was hitting open jumpers, whether it was like mid range from three. I think he knocked down three threes or something like that. Three for five, baby. Yeah, great efficiency. No, I think PJ shot 40% from 
40% from three his sophomore year. And he just had a couple plays where he put Justin Edwards in the post and he just like backed his butt into him and then just absolutely went through him and put up a really good shot. It wasn't like a post hook like PJ would do. He just kind of like went up. It's like, you're either going to foul me or I'm going to make this or both. Yeah, early on, I think one of the first few possessions, uh, there a shot went up and there, there was an offensive rebound available and Justin had Adu boxed out like fully. And Adu just kind of pushed him to the side, tipped the ball in front of him and then dunked it. So Adu's really establishing his style of play, which is being physical, forcing the refs to call fouls one way or the other. Uh, and that's a really dangerous sort of guy to have with all of these shooters and creators around you. Like Adu on last year's team, just kind of got caught up in stuff because the defense was just able to be so packed in. He's going to have a lot more just like meeting only one person at the rim. Can you stop him? Which not a lot of people can. And unlike some other guys that could get to the paint like that, he does have the point guard background, the height, the passing ability to like see over defenders and be like, oh, here's Antonio Reeves wide open in the corner. Here is Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards wide open on the wing. Um, so that that's just going to be huge. Justin Edwards, another guy that you brought up, WT, struggled at first, really got it going. The thing that I saw that he struggled was he kind of got like a little Kevin Knox-ish where he kind of was just kind of relying on being tall and skilled and not really working for his shots. Like you saw Kevin Knox, like when he was on a mission, no one could guard him. But there's other times it looked like he was just settling a little too much. And I kind of saw that with Justin Edwards. Um, and there was a play where he had a really good drive. He had a good aggressive take for the first time all game. And I think he uh, had a charge called on him. I wasn't sure about the charge. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I hope that doesn't, like, persuade him. Like, don't, like, I I didn't want him to go back just defaulting to jump shots and not attacking the lane. But even after the charge call, he was aggressive from that point on. He was getting to the hoop. He was getting great dunks. He was getting great finishes. He was using his size and athleticism to get in the paint and make these shots and wouldn't you know it once he started doing that the jump shot started falling just like that like he was forcing jump shots they weren't falling he would attack he got that part of his game going and then the three-pointers he got a couple to fall a mid-range shot as well he could be the best player on the team and he can be just an okay player I kind of see that again similar with Kevin Knox like Shea wound up being obviously the best player, the top 10 player in the NBA. Um, but at the time, Kevin Knox was more talented, but Shea just kind of had that alpha that took him to another level. Kevin Knox, when he had it, was great, but he didn't have it consistently enough. If Justin Edwards has the alpha, that little extra drive into him, this like he could be like a Jabari Smith or a Brandon Miller type player, um, like that we like an SEC guy that just absolutely took over. I could really see that with him. I think if Justin is our best player in a game, it is going to be difficult to beat us. I think if Justin is scoring maybe eight or nine points, well, that's when you get, you you have to rely more on your guards. Justin can be the thing. He can't be shooting like contested threes. He is so skilled in like in isolation situations and he draws so much attention. If he has, if he's contested on the wing, that should be an easy cross-court pass or something like that because there's no way that you can guard him and whoever's on the opposite side of the floor. 
Um, so it's really just honing in like, Hey, Justin, we know you can shoot, but don't rely on that when you have so many other tools, almost like, uh, I know they're not even close to the same player, but like Carl Anthony towns, like Carl came into Kentucky and he could shoot. He like, he knew how to like take his game out to the perimeter, but Cal forced him to like, no, like go, don't, don't give the defense that go force yourself to be a force inside. And that gave him the number one pick. Uh, if Justin can learn, not just to rely on the outside game, but to like learn how to create plays for himself and get to the rim a little bit uh, better than sky's the limit for him. Uh, Antonio Reeves kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, one thing that I noticed with him that he's really grown on is he does, he just doesn't come off screens anymore with, just like coming like when he first started at Kentucky he would just come off a screen really hard and then he'd look for a shot and then he'd kind of dribble around and then either take a bad shot or pass out of it he's getting very very good at reading screens like how how a defender approaches a screen like he knows when to curl he knows when to stay high and he knows when to not go through a screen and kind of back off and stay behind the screen like when he sees like a defender go through the screen too quick He'll know to stay behind it. He's really good at getting the space. The shots didn't fall. Um, but the biggest takeaway with that, what would happen last year if Antonio Reeves shot the ball poorly? Uh, we would lose. We would lose the game. Automatic. If you, like, go through Antonio Reeves' game log, and if it, if it was, like, you could tell which games we won. Like, 5 of 9, win. <laughs> 6 of it's 7, win. 3 of 11, loss one of 15 lost like you just knew Antonio Reeves could have a bad shooting night and Rob Dillingham will go for 40 DJ Wagner will be excellent Reed Shepard's there Justin Edwards is there you have so many options one through three that the guy that we think will lead our team in scoring and Antonio Reeves and be our best shooter can have a bad shooting night and we still have four great options that we could put in that might be my biggest takeaway of the night and Bradley, you don't need to watch to be able to understand what I'm trying to say there. Because I know you watched some really bad games where Reeves couldn't shoot, and we just watched our team crumble last year. I will say they didn't have a stupid little trophy for him for the MVP after this game. We have to make the so trophy. We've got, like, we have to have a rub to no good Antonio, like Antonio Reeves MVP trophy that we send in every single week. Because otherwise, like we have the chance to positively impact this season, it like we we can we can win the national championship for Kentucky. This podcast can. We just have to put in the work and make the connections. So, TJ Bosner, if you're listening, give us the address. TJ Bosner's absolutely listening right now. Just I know like, we're well, at this. Like Cal is listening. Like just Cal Perry, just hit us up. Like we'll we'll tell do us, what we need to do. Just get send us an address. Tell us I, where to send the trophy. I know where yeah. he lives. Like you know where the lodge is. <laughs> well, yeah, we just have to get kind of a contact lodge because I'm sure you can't just send stuff to where the Kentucky basketball team lives and just expect them to open it. Didn't when, one of our friends work at the lodge? Maybe that's a conversation for not the podcast. Oh, I wonder if, <laughs> I don't I wonder if my somewhere. friend I wonder if my friend still has RA connections. I'm gonna look into this. I'll look into this for you mm. guys. Fantastic. Uh who has the best arts and crafts skills? Who who's gonna be making this trip? Definitely me. Fantastic. I'm gonna... I wouldn't expect any less. Yeah. Yeah. 
especially if we're trying to make a really weird trophy that Antonio Reeves would will play well for. I I'm got going these pins. <laughs> Wait, can uh, Bradley, Bradley? Can you be the one to present him that trophy after each yes, game? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I will make the four-hour drive to Lexington after every Fantastic. game. Sacrifice for the team. Yes. You know what's crazy is we've gone this whole time uh, talking about the blue-white game, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because we've got like football and other stuff to talk about. Uh, we went through this whole thing. We didn't talk about a guy that had 25 points, uh, seven rebounds, six assists, and, and two blocks. We haven't talked about DJ Wagner at all, which is crazy. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, like DJ Wagner – had a couple plays where you just saw like wow like this guy gets the rim at will now he also gave up 40 on defense but it's a blue white game um he excites me so much for his ability to read a defense but also take over a defense when he needs to um he's a little inefficient because he was it's i think he was taking the rob dillingham game personally and he was trying to like keep up with him so that's why you see that nine for 20 uh field goal number for him uh but at the end of the day like when that floaters on and when he's able to draw the defense and like dish off to whoever's in the dunker spot dj's a dangerous man Uh, i can't think like the 83rd best player in the country according to field of 68 uh I i can't think of anybody that can stay in front of him for 40 minutes whether it's DJ, yeah, stay in front of him for 40 minutes, but also he can get subbed out in a like fresh off the bench version <laughs> of him. Rob Dillingham could come in and then you have to guard him. But like, think then about that. Is- it's like, you don't like that LeBron like uh, video when like Kawhi checks in the game and he's just like, ah, oh, like damn, like he's like all frustrated or whatever. Imagine like you're like excited that like, oh, finally DJ's checking out. And then you just see Dillingham, the, like the shiftiest guy in college basketball comes off the bench. That's how they're going to react. People forget we've got a guy that literally shares DNA with him. Are you talking about Kareem Watkins? Kareem. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> picture this: you are a you are a SEC coach trying to game plan how to defensively attack Kentucky. It's like, all right, we've got DJ, but we're going to provide some help um, with our uh, other guards. Oh shoot, no, they and rob so i guess we're gonna have to like provide help with our big man but oh shoot we have uh this gigantic adutiero or trey mitchell who can stretch it's like oh man we got these seven foot two guys we have to worry about okay maybe you figure out how to piece everybody together to take care of dj take care of dilly take care of our bigs and oh shoot you have a 45 percent three-point shooter that you haven't thought about in antonio reeves that you can't leave alone. And you like, still haven't know how you, you still haven't named a guy that's mock drafting number one. I know Justin Edwards. Like, that, that, that was a world where Justin Edwards was on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how you are like uh, when Wednesday morning hits and Kentucky is next on your schedule. Like, I don't know what you do as a coaching staff because there are so many things to keep in mind when you're preparing a defense especially when you think of the ncaa tournament like that second game in a weekend like you play on thursday you have 48 hours maximum to prepare for kentucky on saturday assuming we win in the first round like how how do you do that schematically i 
I don't know. I, I kind of want to get like someone like Brandon Ramsey or someone with like collegiate coaching experience, just say like, Hey, what would you do to defend Kentucky? Cause that's going to be a hot button issue. You have to, you have to just let them shoot and hope things like they just miss all game. You have to hope for like a 2010 situation where the entire team just can't make a three or something like that. Well, the thing is, yeah. I, I didn't have or like Antonio literally last March. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've missed this so much. Um, First time since 2018, I will confidently say that we've had a point guard that can get two feet in the paint without a ball screen, and we have two, arguably three. Ashton Higgins, the- Higgins did a lot of things well. He needed a pick and roll to do anything offensively. Devin Askew needed a screen just to get to half court. Xavier Wheeler <laughs> like, was great needed in transition. A, needed a stepladder to get to half court. <laughs> He uh he he was great in transition, but in the half court, he's not beating anyone one on one. We have two guys, and I'd argue three, and if you want to include Justin as a guard too, four guys that could beat their guy off the dribble. I missed that. And a stretch five and a bully ball four and three seven footers that are gonna be healthy someday. Like th- we this is too good. And for some reason, some people have us not ranked going into this year. I don't get it. They gotta prove it. You know who else hasn't proved it? Literally anyone. There haven't been any games <laughs> played at all. I've been thinking Un- about Unless this you're is... Tennessee and you've got Santiago Viscovi back for his 17th year of college basketball. Josiah Jordan James. I thought he was out of eligibility in 2008. He was playing with Wayne Chisholm. He was Wayne Chisholm's backup. Uh, I mean, hey, if he was there, what are they doing? Really? In 2008, he would be there for Tennessee's one uh, Elite Eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> People <laughs> forget they have never made a Final Four, and they never will with known March succeeder Rick Barnes. Bradley, I will never forget that, but I just want to say, what has Tennessee even proven? That they can make a Sweet 16? What warrants them a top 10, like, ranking? Dude, if... If they crowned, if they hung Final Four banners in January, Rick Barnes would be a first ballot Hall of Famer, dude. Like he'd be John Wood. He'd be like imagine combining like, okay, Rick Barnes through January, and then like who who dominates like February in college basketball? I'm trying to think, like who always makes a late push? Kentucky. Kentucky, sure. Uh, then you get Kyra Elsie conference tournament, <laughs> and then you get, I guess, Izzo until the final four, and when he loses, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, they they don't give championships in January, so yeah, no final fours for Tennessee anytime soon. Speaking of the um, dirty lowdown snitches, um. We don't have a football game to talk about because it was a bye week, but we do have a very big one coming up. I I do want to bring up a very specific Mark Stoops quote that he brought up. I don't know the exact quote, so I'm going to be paraphrasing here. It was something along the lines of, like, we know running the ball might give us more success right now, but we know our long-term success needs to be passing through the air, and we're trying to kind of build our offense around that, not just for this season, but long-term. And Mark Stoops says, yeah, I know that might struggle and we might be have a better chance of winning running the ball, but we want to commit to this passing game. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, personally, I just hope we do whatever it takes 
to beat Tennessee, and I don't care how much of an Eddie Grant offense it looks like if it means we win. Um, but it's kind of like, yeah, like I agree. Like we should be passing the ball. We should be trying to push a modern offense, and we shouldn't just like quit like the second it like we face a little bit of adversity. But also, it's like we have Ray Davis, and our wide receivers like can't catch anything. Like at what point? At what point do we back away a little? What are y'all's takes on that quote? Did I get that quote right? By the way, was that about what he said? Yeah, I'll. I'll read it word for word here. I've got it. Uh, We can sit there and run the ball maybe 20 more times and have a better chance to win the game, but are we really growing as an organization? Are we really winning and becoming the team that we want to become? We're never going to stop working at that. I will say it's your job to win games. So if you can do something to win games, you should do that thing. Uh, I understand planning for the future, but we're this this season isn't lost yet like that's talk for okay maybe we're not going to make a bowl game we should build for the future or or hey maybe we're not like in contention for anything we should just like plan on getting our passing game back we're five and two we're like re, like technically speaking 10 and two is on the table if you go 10 and two in the sec that's a new york new york six bowl like this season's not over so if we have statistically the best running back in the nation, you got to give him the ball. He he touched the ball five times in the second half against Missouri. It does. I don't care what you want the identity of this team to be. Like you have to, to coach to what it is. Like imagine if Cal, um, like kept saying like if we shoot if we kept shooting like thirty five threes per game and we weren't making, we were like shooting it at like a 25% clip. And he kept saying, you know, we could go and get more layups and maybe win some more games, but we, that's not what we want our team identity to be like that. That's bad coaching. <laughs> like you coach to your roster. Um, do I think Devin Leary can figure it out? Yes. Like I want him to throw the ball and see if we can figure it out. I don't think the drops are going to be a season long thing. I just hope they figure it out sooner rather than later. Um, but if you have the best running back in the country, you give the ball to the best running back in the country, in my personal opinion. I, I find it funny you bring up the Cal thing because literally like the opposite thing happened where we didn't have guys that could get to the hoop and make layups. And we also didn't have guys that can make open threes, but we had a ton of guys that like comfortably took mid-range shots. So we took a lot of mid-range shots. And even though they were making them more than they were making the other shots, we complained about shot charts for an entire season. Where it was like, yeah, I guess they do shoot those shots better, but are we really doing the correct thing? Yeah, I don't really know if you want Savir Wheeler taking only layups and threes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless it's <laughs> not against North Carolina that one time. That is true, dude. That he he balled out. But yeah, like I understand what Mark is saying, and I don't think it's like any big controversy. But like my personal opinion is. When we're playing big rivals, when the season's still on the line, when you can still go 10 and 2, you play winning football, not the football you think you should be playing. Let's uh, hop into some listeners' questions. I couldn't imagine adding much more to the stacked basketball roster that we already have. But at Vanza18261 says, if you could add any other freshman college basketball to your team, Bradley, who would it be? Okay. So I have a few answers for this one. Uh, with the caveat, I am saying that the G League guys are eligible for this. Okay. Uh, so Ron Holland, of course. 
Uh, I think it was a major misstep not throwing the house to get him. Uh, Matas Buzelis, he's really good. Uh, Jacoby Walter, not that we're in need of guards, but I think he's just that good of a player. Um, of course, Mackenzie McBaco, uh, man after my own heart with the Taco Bell. Uh, Elliot Cadeau, I, I think if not for DJ Wagner, I think Elliot Cadeau would probably be the best freshman point guard in college basketball this year. And it's possible that Cadeau looks better just because North Carolina does not have the kind of roster that Kentucky has. Uh, so he will be really good. Uh, a day Mara, we could just go all in on seven footers, run only seven footers. Uh, so that would be fun. And uh, the last one that I'll mention is Andre Stoyakovich. Oh, I uh, like ended that. up at uh, Stanford, uh, but I was really big on him in this recruiting cycle. Of course, I was a big fan of his dad, and they play very similarly. I uh, would like to see him end up at Kentucky, but alas, that did not happen. Bradley, I'm going to put you on the spot. You need to add just one. G League guys are fine. Who are you adding? If I can only add one guy, Ron Holland. I agree with that. I mean, pretty easily for me. Uh, he's tearing up the G League. Uh, he would do even better in college. Uh, not that we necessarily need another wing, uh, but whenever you have a talent uh, on the level of Ron Holland, uh, no matter who you have on the roster, I think you take him. Uh, before we go to the next uh, listener question, big shout out to at uh, S Williams, 718 Sam Williams. Uh, just tweeted at us, uh, carved a, a Halloween pumpkin, not with a face, but with Z Big Free. Nice. So shout out. Uh, that, that earns you an absolute friend of the program. So thank you, Sam, for that. Uh, that that's actually pretty good craftsmanship. I'm, I'm impressed. I definitely that, could not do that. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Um, shout out, shout out you, Sam at typical KY fan 13. He says we landed Boogie Flan and swiped him from Indiana feels really good. Smiley face, but, and then he gets into a really depressing tweet. He says, build me your dream starting five in the Cal era of players who were stolen from us guys who were considered UK locks for a long time, but got taken right away at the end. Oh, DJ Wagner has to highlight this list. I cannot believe that Milt Wagner came in and Kenny Payne stole him and won all of those games. All right. I'm kidding. Um, so I, I have, I have four names and I need your help with the fifth. Um, and maybe you could throw in an honorable mention, but really quick at the point guard, Cade Cunningham, that's the yep. easiest one. Yep. Um, I hope the stepbrother feels or whatever it is, half brother, cousin, whoever that was on their roster. I hope he feels really happy with himself. Shooting guard, Jaden Hardy. Thanks, Joel yep. justice. Learn how to use your fucking cell phone. I don't know the small <laughs> forward. <laughs> Power forward, um, oh, once committed gone, uh... on once committed on campus, future number one overall pick, Paulo Bancaro, and at center, thanks Penny Fraudaway for buying this dude a house, James Wiseman. What do y'all think about that list? I think that's Who'd pretty have... good. Uh, Joel Justice obviously uses his phone uh, to DM Sky Clark's mom, uh, <laughs> but that's that's a, an extremely good list. Um, at the three, I would have to go with either Andrew Wiggins. That wasn't really a steal so much as just, 
Uh, it would have been oh. cool. Uh, or uh, Ron Holland, definitely. What about well, Ron Holland? I don't think was ever projected to be a cat. Who is the mm. who? Who is the guy? The uh, fox monkey. Help me out. What do you mean, fox monkey? Was was he a shooting guard? Uh, Bridges. Bridges. Oh, Miles Bridges. Yeah. I don't know if he was ever supposed to be a cat, but I think uh, he was. Yeah. I think we were in the running. I yeah, I we were in the running. I don't think he would have been a great fit on that roster. But as far as just like, yeah, that would have been fine. Malik Newman is another name. Oh, yeah. yeah like he didn't, Newman. he was never like a star in college, but by the time he transferred to Kansas, like he was a really oh. good role player on a championship winning team. Oh, I've got a good one. Jalen Brown. Oh, Jalen Brown, Kentucky, if I remember correctly, was the perceived leader for him for like his entire recruitment. And then he just goes to Cal. Because it was like back-to-back years, we had Jalen Brown and Ivan Rabb. And it's like, these guys are picking the wrong Cal. Like, do they think they're committed to Coach Cal? Or what's what's going on here? But It is Jaylen crazy Brown. if you think about it. Like, we've gotten a lot of players stolen from us. But Cal has stolen even more players from other programs. Like Terrence Jones stealing him from the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Um, oh, we mossed just we mossed Justin Edwards away from Tennessee. Oh, absolutely, Malik Monk <laughs> away from Arkansas, which they're still mad which, about. You know, whatever. <laughs> like you go through, and almost every year you see a guy that like probably should have gone somewhere else, but Cal comes in and takes him, and it, it's so cool seeing him do that because uh, when he wants a guy, he's going to get that guy. Twenty-five point one percent of the program. Uh, he commented, "Aside from tourney success, what's one thing that you have to see happen before you'll confidently say Cal is back?" Now, Cal had a really big quote this week where he said, "We've been good, but we haven't been Kentucky good. What do y'all need to see happen for us to be Kentucky good again?" Um, we're there. We're back. Woo! For me, Hot to Molly, I'm sweating. For me, if we don't make a Final Four, this is what we need to do to have a Kentucky good season. Everyone thinks it rides or dies on a Final Four. Final Four trumps all. You could have the worst season ever, but if you make Final Four like you do in 2014, it's a success. But if you don't, you can still have a successful season. In my opinion, here's how. You need to either win the SEC tournament or the SEC regular season title, you need to be a one or a two seed, and you need to make at least an elite eight. So one or a two seed means you're a top eight team in the, re- top eight team in the regular season, and a fi- elite eight means you're a postseason top eight team. And if you win the SEC title or regular season, or the regular season title or the championship, that means you're one of the top two teams in the SEC. So if you're top two in the SEC and have at least one of the titles, you're top eight in the regular season in the country and top eight in the postseason, I think that could be a successful season. You need three of those things. If not, you need to win a Final Four. Here, I think this is a litmus test. Do you consider 2018-2019 with Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, P.J. Washington a successful season? Yes, because I think they ran the SEC that year. They beat one of they the were, best teams in Tennessee sec- history. 
The, so they finished second in the SEC. They lost in the quarterfinal. No, they lost in the semifinals to Tennessee oh. um, in the SEC tournament. I thought they won the they, SEC championship that year. The SEC title no, regular they, season. Auburn won the SEC championship and then beat us in the Elite Eight. Hmm. See, that's so, borderline, though. That's like really borderline because they were, they were a two seed and they made the Elite Eight. I think because they beat that Tennessee team at home the way that they did, I'll give them like a little nudge because they finished second, but that's really close. But like so 2010, it, 2010, not a final four, but that's a successful season. Same thing with 2017. You agree? Yes. I would say part of the, the kind of qualifications is you have to have at least one, hopefully two marquee wins in a season. Okay. Like, Last season, even if we made like a sweet 16 elite eight, like you would still be like, that was a pretty disappointing season because our best wins were against Tennessee, but we lost all the other games that were good. So like you have to have like a couple like high, high key games, beat Kansas, beat Miami at home, uh, beat, beat Tennessee, beat uh, whoever else. You got to win some of those uh, like primetime games to kind of get the vibe around the season of being positive. WT, you asked a question. If all the SEC mascots got in a fight, which mascot would win? That's a buddy question. Buddy answers the fighting questions. He's not even here. So I think we hold off and wait for that question. Not to disrespect your question, but that's a buddy question. Whatever. Do you you disagree? No, it's fine. That was fine. I won't take it personally. Do we play a basketball game this week, or do we just have football uh, we predictions? Pl- we play a scrimmage, I believe, against Georgetown. I'm All right, Bradley, right do you want to do you want to start us off with your Let's football and Georgetown predictions? Oh, uh, which first? Whichever one you want. Let's do Georgetown College is on Friday, so let's start with them. Okay. So Georgetown College, uh, a basketball program almost on par with Georgetown University. Uh, Georgetown, I believe they're the Tigers, correct? Yes, they are. They've won um, a couple NIA champ- NAIA championships too. Uh, so and Patrick Ewing as their coach, uh, I think it's <laughs> going to be really tough. Um, you know, they're a really historic program. Uh, going back to the Big East days in the eighties, uh, I think they're going to give us a game. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with 120 uh, to 40. Uh, with your MVP <laughs> being, uh, I don't know, Reed Shepard. I predicted him to score 80, so I'll I'll, I'll stick with Reed. Bradley, I want to ask really quickly, did you listen to our latest Rep to No Good that you weren't done? I have forgotten to do that. That's okay. Wow, I'm not mad, but I, I, do want, I do want to tell you that I did predict Antonio Reeves to be my MVP and set the blue-white record for most threes made. Did that happen? No, no. Because I'm okay. a curse. I'm okay. A curse. Exactly. WT, what's your Georgetown prediction? Uh, I'm gonna say uh, Kentucky goes uh, one thirteen to uh, forty six. Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Zvonimir Vishich as my MVP. Uh, I don't think he's gonna play any more than twenty minutes. But I think in those 20 minutes, what are you going to do against him? Like, he's he's going to dominate. Okay, they're going to make Pepperdine – or not Pepperdine. Um, what it, 
move on. I'll come back to it. Okay, have fun. Bellerman. They're going to make Bellerman look like five slam and a jamma. (laughs) (laughs) I will take the Cats 95 to 58. My MVP will be Justin Edwards. And we are going to beat Tennessee. I don't know. What's a score we could reasonably beat Tennessee by? 31 to 28. And I don't want to steal Ray Davis, but no one else on our offense is any good. So we'll just go Defensive with defense. MVP. Maxwell Harrison. MVP. Nice. WTF for that. We'll snake it backwards. No, I don't I don't want to steal him. Just go ahead and take no, him. No, go go ahead. As long as you don't right. take him. All right. <laughs> Uh, I have learned on Saturday I will be at Kroger Field and I will be predicting a Kentucky blowout. But sitting here on a Monday night, it is very difficult for me to pick a win over Tennessee because we don't win against Tennessee. So I'm going to pick a Kentucky loss. I think it's going to be close. I think Tennessee is going to win 35-31. to Um. I am going to say that the Kentucky MVP, despite that, um, will be, I'll say Tavion Robinson. Nice. Well, I think you guys know where I'm. It's been a long time since our last game. It's been two weeks. The last two times we've seen our Kentucky Wildcats out on the field, it hasn't gone our way. Stoops and his troops have had two weeks to get our guys ready to play. You know what? I think we're up to the challenge. I hate Tennessee. They low down. They dirty. They some snitches. Tennessee sucks. They have always sucked. They will always suck. Your basketball team sucks. Rick Barnes sucks as a coach. People forget Rick Barnes didn't get out of the first weekend with Kevin freaking Durant on his team. But beyond that, applicable to our discussion right now, your football team sucks. Josh Heupel is a Hendon Hooker merchant. He might as well go coach at Louisville. He is a Hooker merchant. So you know what, Joe Milton? You suck. (laughs) Joe Milton is not a good quarterback. I mean, he's horrible. I mean, if, if people thought Will Levis was bad, Woof. He's the uh, Timu version of Will Levis. I mean, it's horrible. It's bad. He's not good. So you know what? I'm going to say Kentucky is going to come out with the big win. Liam Cohen is going to put on a an absolute master class. Brad White, for once in his coaching career, is going to put on an absolute master class. And we're going to beat the Tennessee Volunteers by a final score of 69 to, let's see, zero. With your MVP <laughs> being one, Raymond Davis Jr. And he will set the SEC record for rushing touchdowns in a single game. Suck it, Arnold Showboat. Boykin, thank you for your service. We're going to have to start calling him Ray Showboat Davis. We are. <laughs> Let, let's we make it, it happen. 
hey, Sack, we'll both be at the game. We'll make a sign saying like Ray Shoba. <laughs> if you want to see good. what WT looks like, the face behind the voice, look for a sign that says Ray Showboat Davis and look directly below it. Yeah, that'll be me. Well, thank you all for listening. Hopefully this doesn't age like milk. It won't. Tennessee sucks. What was that one time that you said something about how we were going to kill Duke and then Duke update almost exposed you on the timeline? Um, Remember that? No, because we didn't play Duke last year, did we? No, the, but it definitely happened. Did you come on like Courtside Connect or something? Uh Oh, yeah. Yeah, that might have been back in the Courtside Connect days. But you know what? That's not happening anymore because Kentucky is back. Basketball, football, it's all back. We're back. John Shire, Pats, baby. John Shire sucks worse than Josh Heupel. L's We're down. Back. Go Cats. See you in Kroger Field. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you all next week. Kenny lost those games. It's just not an orange you can sit with.